This podcast is brought to you by RMA, the Risk Management Association. RMA's sole purpose is to advance the use of sound risk management principles in the financial services industry. Learn more at rmahq.org. Hi, I'm Nick Klein. I am the Senior Credit Risk Review Officer at Ephrata National Bank, located in South Central Pennsylvania. Today, I'd like to talk to you about lending to the hemp industry, an industry that's growing like a weed. When the 2018 Farm Bill was enacted into law, hemp was declassified as a Schedule I controlled substance. By doing so, the U.S. paved the way for legal hemp farming and production throughout the U.S., leaving it up to individual states to enact their own laws. As of July 2020, 48 states have legalized hemp. Mississippi and Idaho are the remaining holdouts. A recent bill introduced in Idaho was voted down by a very thin margin. Many people might wonder, why would anyone want to grow hemp? Since it had been illegal since 1937, few of us understand what hemp can be used for. If you speak with enthusiasts, though, they will tell you there are hundreds of uses for hemp. Hemp can be used for anything from clothing, rope, insulation, paper, milk alternatives, and fuel. When I visited the Pennsylvania Farm Show back in January of this year, I had the opportunity to sample hemp pretzels and hemp iced tea while sitting in a BMW i3 electric car with much of the interior made from hemp. The most popular hemp product right now is CBD oil, CBD being short for cannabidiol. According to one study conducted in 2019, CBD oil demand is expected to grow 32% annually over the next five years. CBD is everywhere. Walk into a pharmacy or convenience store or visit a farmer's market and you'll find CBD oil. Advocates of the budding CBD industry claim that CBD has incredible healing properties. Fans of CBD oil will claim that it can treat anything from pain, depression, and Parkinson's disease, and that it may prevent diabetes and cancer. Be aware though, the FDA has only approved the use of CBD as a treatment for epilepsy. The FDA is currently warning consumers that CBD could cause digestive and reproductive issues. One of the lesser known uses for hemp is for building material. Often referred to as hempcrete, hemp is mixed with lime to create a fire-resistant, water-resistant, mold-resistant, and pest-resistant building material that provides strong insulation, can last hundreds of years, and is considered carbon negative since the carbon in the hemp plant is trapped in the walls of the building. With hempcrete, it's flexible, so it can be used for brick, wall panels, insulation, flooring, roofing, and render. And while it's not yet popular in the United States, many European homes are built with hemp. While hemp has many uses and is growing in popularity, lending to hemp farmers can be difficult. There are a number of underwriting, compliance, and workout considerations when lending to hemp farmers. Let's go through them. When exploring a loan to a hemp farmer, there are seven main items for consideration. The first is verifying that the farmer is licensed to grow hemp. U.S. law requires all hemp growers to be licensed with either the state or if the state has no formal hemp program, the USDA. Before entertaining a loan request, you should ensure that the farmer's license is active. And if it's an existing customer, you will want to ensure that you receive updated licenses when they expire at renewal time. The second consideration is ensuring your customer understands the hemp requirements in their state. Every state is different. And if the farmer can't articulate the rules, that should be a big red flag. The third item is how much hemp does the farmer plan to grow? The CapEx and human capital requirements 
of a 200 acre hemp farm are drastically different than that of a four acre hemp farm. If your farmer is growing a lot of hemp, you'll want to understand how he or she plans to sell the crop. Do they have a contract or are they simply hoping for a good price come harvest? If they don't have a contract, are they prepared in the event the FDA finds a link between CBD use and cancer and the price tanks? Or if they do have a contract, what happens if the buyer goes bankrupt? The fifth consideration is verifying that the farmer knows what hemp harvesting entails. Hemp is a difficult crop to harvest because of its fibers. The fibers have a tendency to jam standard farm equipment, which can significantly slow the process. Has the farmer taken the time to learn how to minimize this risk? Do they have the necessary equipment and facilities to store and dry the crop as well? The standard rule is that it takes at least a thousand square feet of space to dry one acre of hemp. Sixth consideration, what type of hemp is the farmer planning to grow? Grain varieties are grown for food and supplements. Fiber varieties are used for hempcrete and textiles. Cannabinoid varieties are grown for the CBD content. Considering the type of crop, does your farmer know where the seed is coming from? Is it certified? Does your farmer have a positive track record with the seed or have they communicated with farmers in similar climates who have had success with it? If not, there's a real possibility of either damaged crops or THC levels that exceed federal levels, something we'll talk about later on. Additionally, you need to know what prices farmers can expect to receive based on their hemp crop. While the price of fiber and grain hemp has been fairly stable, the price of CBD hemp is prone to significant fluctuations. The final consideration is crop insurance. If you require insurance on a hemp crop, understand what is and isn't covered. If it's damaged because of weather, it's likely covered. But if the crop has to be destroyed for high THC levels, insurance is unlikely to be paid out. Now that we've talked about underwriting considerations, the next piece to consider is compliance. With the farm bill signed into law, each state is free to implement its own laws for hemp production. It's important that you understand the requirements for growing hemp in each state, including the licensing requirements. Each state's licensing program must be approved by the USDA, and some states' programs will be more stringent than others. If your state doesn't have a formal licensing requirement, your farmer will be required to obtain a license through the USDA. USDA licensing requirements were recently published in their USDA Domestic Hemp Production Interim Final Rule. The final rule is still pending. Minimum state licensing requirements, according to the USDA, include one, annual inspections of a random sample of hemp producers, two, criminal background checks for all licensees, three, the establishment of corrective action plans for law violations and license noncompliance, four, farmer THC levels must be tested, five, disposal requirements must be in place, six, the state must have a way to collect data on land use and then submit that data to the USDA. And seven, the state must affirm that it has the resources to implement its hemp program. Once a farmer is licensed, hemp farmers are required to comply with the following conditions. The first, individual hemp lots must be tested for THC levels, the main ingredient in marijuana, within 15 days of harvest. The crop must be collected by a law enforcement agency and tested by a DEA registered lab. Please note that at this point, as of July 2020, the DEA registered lab requirement has been delayed through the end of 2020, as some states have very few approved labs and it could be difficult for hemp farmers to test their crop. If the THC level is 0.3% or less, the crop may be harvested without issue. But if the THC content is above 0.3%, 
the crop must be destroyed as it is now considered marijuana, a Schedule I controlled substance. Some estimates claim that as much as 20% of the 2020 U.S. hemp crop could be destroyed for exceeding that 0.3% level. One other level to be aware of is 0.5%. If the THC content is above 0.5%, the farmer may face criminal charges of negligence. When tested, THC levels are based on what is known as a measurement of uncertainty. As long as the THC level of 0.3% falls within the range of the measurement of uncertainty, the crop is considered hemp, not marijuana. There isn't an, enough time to explain how this measurement works today, though the USDA interim final rule provides a number of examples about how this works. And then the second requirement is that farmers must report their hemp acreage to the Farm Service Agency, or FSA. There are some questions that remain about a bank's responsibility for ensuring compliance with both state and federal law. Some banks have asked if they need to obtain a farmer's test results and verify harvest within 15 days of the test, or if they only need to ensure that their farmer's license is at good standing. At this point, regulators have indicated that banks are not responsible for obtaining test results of their farmer's hemp crop. Another question is, if you do receive a test result that indicates unacceptable THC levels, do you file a marijuana limited suspicious activity report? You may be required to do that. And another question as well, if the customer's license has been terminated for violating that 0.3% threshold, do you terminate the relationship and file a marijuana termination SAR? One other thing to consider is workout. For those of you with small children, you've probably had a situation where you sent your kids off to your parents' house for a few days, and when they returned, they came back with tons of stuff that you really didn't have anywhere to put it, and you really didn't want it. Foreclosing on a hemp farm can be a little bit like this. You take possession of a 250-acre farm, but you get 150 acres of hemp with it. You are now the proud owner of a hemp farm. The problem is, you're probably not licensed to grow hemp, and the farmer you foreclosed on is not allowed to transfer his or her license to you. So what can you do? Well, there are some good ideas and some bad ideas. Here's a few. First idea is to simply destroy the crop. If you've taken possession of an active hemp crop, it's likely a loss at this point, either because one, damage, or two, high THC levels. Plus, you don't want to break the law for farming hemp without a license. Your best bet is to cut your losses and move the farm without worrying about the hemp crop. You can count yourself lucky if you foreclose on the farm prior to planting or post-harvest. Another option would be to identify licensees in your market who could potentially maintain and harvest the crop in the event of foreclosure, assuming the crop is salvageable. You would want to work with an attorney ahead of time to determine what obligations you have with the state or USDA, such as providing a lease between you as the property owner and the licensed grower. And then one other idea I'll throw out there is you could identify an individual in your bank to be licensed in each state where you lend to hemp farmers. And in the event of foreclosure, they could potentially manage the harvesting and sale of the crop. One other question that remains unanswered thus far is this. If you take possession of a farm and attempt to maintain the hemp crop, and then you test your newly owned hemp crop and the THC level is above 0.3%, do you need to file a marijuana limited SAR on your own institution since you're now farming a Schedule One substance? Just one of those fun things to think about. So as we close, I'd like to be blunt. Prior to entertaining loans to hemp farmers, you will need to establish a plan from start to finish. You'll want to work with your lending, legal, and compliance teams to understand what's required of you and your farmer to ensure everyone is operating within the law. With the risks of hemp farming, a half-baked plan will not do. Again, I'm Nick Klein, and I appreciate you listening.